Hey friends, thanks for listening in today. This is Eric. This show is a little bit longer than our normal shows, but there's a reason for it. Our friend of the show, Dr. Matt Morris, wanted to come on and talk to us about the importance of relationship literacy. We talk about financial literacy all the time and how important financial literacy is to having a successful life, but Matt comes on and talks to us the importance of relationships to having a successful life. So Matt definitely takes us to school. We talk a little bit about money, but listen in. You're going to want to listen to the end. Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Oh. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to the Stuff About Money podcast. I am Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner, your host for today. And today I am joined by a friend of the show, Dr. Matt Morris. Some of you may recognize Dr. Matt. Him and I had a show building us... Uh, invest in your relationships. Man, we ran that show. We kind of started what COVID, during COVID, right, Matt? We ran for about 65, 70 episodes. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So Matt's a family therapist with a focus on couples counseling. Matt and I, we, man, we've been collaborating for gosh, 15 years or so on money and relationships. We've 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 taught at conferences to help counselors and therapists up their financial game just to have more competency and comfort when they're talking to their clients when financial issues come up. We've um, we've podcasted together. We've met with clients together. So it's good to have you back, man. What we, have you been we up hang to? Out, yeah. We hang out together. We hang out. We drink beers talk together. About, talk about relationships and, and all of that stuff. Soccer. We talk about soccer. Man, what have you been up to? <laughs> a lot. A lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things. Um, this week... Uh, I was at a professional conference here in town and uh, I was a speaker for a presentation on uh, narcissistic personality disorder, narcissistic <laughs> differential <laughs> diagnoses of narcissistic okay. personality disorder and, and jerks, people who are just jerks. Okay. So is narcissistic personality disorder code for jerks or the official DSM? Is it DSM? The DSM diagnosis for jerk? That's no, they're, they're, they're different things I, oh. and I'm differentiating from that because oh, that diagnosis okay. become super, super popular online. And there, there are millions of articles written about it. And, and anyway, I was giving a presentation <laughs> to colleagues about that. And, uh, but that has nothing really to do with nothing. this conversation. I today. do. I do wonder how many of our listeners right now are thinking, Oh, I know some people with narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. I, I'm sure that people uh, think they do. Yes. You, you, and my guess would be as a professional, you probably would tell people don't diagnose people, right? Let, let the professionals do that, right? Yeah. Do your best not to, but uh, everyone is inundated online right now, social media and our on, online mm -hmm. articles with, uh, you know, is my spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, is my mom a narcissist though that, <laughs> 
Wow. That search term. Listen to this. Listen to this. I, this is off. off no, subject. no, but this okay. is interesting. This is interesting. Hashtag narcissistic on okay. TikTok. Oh yeah, because has been is... viewed has been viewed eight point five billion times. I'm going to make a general statement here. Uh-huh. How, how, how many millions? Billions? Billi- eight point five billion times, and that has doubled in the last year. So oh, if you look gosh. at that a year ago. It was like in the three or four billions. Now it's doubled mm. in the last year. So, so gosh, I'm just, you know, I, I, what I, I was speaking at a law and ethics conference. Okay. And we were talking about the ethical implications of, of our clients being inundated with uh, diagnosing their partner information <clears throat> and the yeah. problems that that causes. You know what? Let me just say this and then we'll hop into our topic for the day. Yeah. Uh, the problems, in fact, I was reading a, a, an email from another um, financial advisor and in a mastermind group and we're, we're exchanging emails. And there's this TikToker who's giving financial advice. It's it's really not good. We were talking about this the other day. It's a different guy though. It's really not great financial advice, and it's given so you know um, prescriptively. Like this is what you need to do. Otherwise, you're going to retire poor. And we're just talking about the 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 controversy of that. People don't get your don't get your financial advice on TikTok yeah. or your relationship advice on or diagnoses on on TikTok. Anyway, all right, we're not here to talk about that. Um, you are the perfect guest to have on the Stuff About Money podcast because we Thanks. talk about things, particularly money, that we wish we'd have learned in school that would have set us up for more financial success You know, as, as big people. Uh, yeah. So you, you're not here to talk about money today, though, but you're here to talk about another topic that is of equal importance. In fact, let me set it up. I published a podcast earlier this year uh, that I recorded with our friends at the Great Teacher Resignation. And we talked about the importance of financial literacy to make big career decisions, right? Career moves, the more you know about money, the more confidence you're able to make or more confidently you can make some of these decisions. And you emailed back and said, yeah, yeah, financial literacy is important. Super important. Super important. But Eric, relationship literacy is of equal importance when making decisions in life and just... Uh, to set you up for success in life. So I know that relationships is not necessarily a a money topic, but if you listen to any of the work that Matt and I did, relationships have huge impacts on your financial success. So I thought it would be worth it to have Dr. Matt Morris, the relationship doctor. Yeah. Come talk to us about... Hey, yeah. yeah. So talk to us about relationship literacy, man. Where where are we going to start? What's what's the agenda for today? Because this is your show. Okay, thanks. Uh (laughs) I'll take over. You're welcome. You. You're um, welcome. Yeah. I mean, so relationship literacy. I mean, I work with clients. I'm a, I'm an active therapist as, as well as a professor. And so I teach this stuff, read this stuff, study this stuff, talk about it, sort of preach it at times, I guess, and study it and, you know, work with people working on their relationship. And many people don't have real sound foundational relationship skills or literacy in this case. Mm -hmm. And so it's always, you know, I've been doing this a long time. So it's always, I've always thought like, where are people learning relationship skills these days? Where are people learning relationship literacy? It's not really TikTok, not really being taught in schools. Um, Hopefully it's being taught at home. I, you know, today in, in covering topics about relationship literacy, that sounds awful. But in t- in covering these these concepts, I guess these tenets, these axioms of relationships, um, I, I'm thinking about 
teenagers. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about kids. I'm thinking about young people. Um, and in fact, you know, I think most of the stuff you're going to hear me say today, you knew, I knew people know by the time they're about in kindergarten, in, in some way, little kids understand relationships in a way different than adults. We screw it up a lot more than they do in, in many ways. And so everything I'm going to say today is, is it in one way, simple and basic. And I'm just going to try to make it a little bit more high-minded sounding, I guess, or el- elucidate these topics in a way that, elucidate. that are you going to use big words? I'm going to use in a way that's, that's, that's more nuanced, hopefully and interesting. And, and so I'll you, give, I'll give lots of illustrations and app- you ask me questions along the way and I'll, I'll answer your questions. Okay. I'll be curious. That's what I'm going to do. It's a good, yeah, that's you, a good, that's a good tip. If you want to be a good conversationalist, just be curious, ask be questions. Curious. That's be curious. Right. So I do have a question. You said something that's really interesting. Uh, you said kids learn this stuff early on, and then we screw it up as adults. Yeah, I've been having conversations recently with my uh, with my kids and a friend of mine, their kids, about like just poor relationship management of like their friends in school and how I mean how patty yeah. kids can be. So like it gets screwed up before we become adults, right? I mean. What's, what's yeah. going on there? I mean, like, teenagers just... are, are, you know, have a foot in both worlds of childhood and adulthood. And so they're starting to screw it up, but you're not really having to have those conversations in the same way with your little kids. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Okay. Yeah. So th- this isn't necessarily, the content isn't necessarily, this is what you should be teaching your kids. Cause I would assume that as adults, like this is stuff that we have forgotten or we might know, but maybe we're not like living by necessarily. Is that kind of. What's going on both, here? Both. I think you, yeah, these pr- are probably helpful reminders. Maybe some of us can use these concepts to evaluate our current relationships. Think, you cool. know, okay. uh, but, but also these are things you could teach your kids. Definitely. Good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump into it. What is the first, we have 10 tenets here well, of relationship. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go, yeah. So this I, is your show. I, My, bad. I, My I, bad. I sketched out, I sketched out quickly in my own mind, 10 important things that I would teach my own kids about relationships. And I came up with a list of 10. Okay. And so, um, so, you know, it's tens a lot, but, but hold up 10 fingers for a second. Hold up. Can you hold up? I see him. Right. So 10, each of these are separate fingers, right? So these, this thing on this, these, this list, these are separate things, but intertwine them together now. Okay. all right. Like, uh, like that. You have to check out our YouTube channel if you want Fingers to see this. Intertwined together. And okay. that's a good image of like, these are separate things, but they're not separate things. They're intertwined together. So, the you know, as we, as we okay. make a list, it looks separate, but they're mm-hmm. not separate. They're, I thought you were going to say there are 10 things all connected to one hand or five <laughs> things connected to hand. So that I'm but, just saying they're, they're, they're overlapping, gotcha. interwoven concepts. Mm-hmm. And they really do apply to friendships. The sibling relationship, the parent, mm-hmm. the parent-child relationship, um, your first crush, your soulmate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you and I are friends. We can we can talk about our relationship through these concepts. All right. Yeah. Okay. And I may, uh, I may, as you go through it, I may it may remind me of some financial concepts that are similar. So forgive me if I oh. make some analogies here. Oh. If you want me to stay off that, I can't because this gonna... is your show. <laughs> it's your show. All right. You ready? Let's do it. I've been Let's ready. Go. All right. Number one, mm-hmm. relationship. This is what I would tell my kids. Relationships are necessary. No. You're not going to get away without relationships. Relationships are necessary. You are the product of relationships. You come from relationships. 
Mm-hmm. You represent people, other people in your life. You are, you are a product of relationships. And so, uh, they're, 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 they're unequivocally necessary to our life. So necessary to our life to, on the most basic level, you were created by other people. You didn't create yourself. Okay. And when you were born, you mm-hmm. could not care for yourself. So on the most basic level, relationships are necessary for survival. You can't survive. A, a, a human is really a mammal that's born a little premature in a way because they really can't care for themselves when they're born. They can't, they can't walk. They can't feed. I mean, they would die pretty quickly. They do. They would die pretty quickly without other people caring for them. So in a, in a real basic way, relationships are necessary for survival. Hmm. But as we continue to go across the lifespan, there's many instances in our life where we turn to a relationship to protect us or get us out of trouble or, or Mm. survive, Mm -hmm. literally survive. So relationships are necessary. I read, said, I read something the other day. It said that, um, it is deeply human to be both needy and needed. Yeah. And that statement right. to, to be needy and needed implies that if you're needy, you you need something else, relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be um, needed, it means someone else needs you. So that might be kind of that that idea that that they are uh, they're necessary. Yeah, I mean for the for the survival of of our species and other mam- mammal species, mammalian species. Uh, it takes two in most cases, not all, but in most cases, it takes takes two to make one. You can't, you can't generate kind of, where's this show going, Matt? <laughs> you know, you know, I'm always, uh, just on the border of talking about sex. So, oh. <laughs> uh, relationships, relationships are, are necessary for survival on, on many different levels. All right. Okay. So relationships are necessary. Number two. So, I, so oh. just to put a point on that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's times in your life where you want to start pulling away from relationships for whatever reason. And it is a reminder that, uh, I, I'm not built to do this alone. Maybe for a period of time, maybe I can go on a walkabout for a, a, a season, but I'm not built to do this alone. Yeah. So relationships are necessary, but they're sometimes so doggone hard. Yeah. That's a, that's coming up. Oh, my bad. Number two, number two, number two, not only are relationships necessary, Mm -hmm. Eric, relationships are desirable. (laughs) They, they're, they're, we want them. Did you, did you curate this content? Cause you're trying to, are you trying to tell me something? (laughs) I don't have to tell you, man. You are, you're a natural, (laughs) you're a natural relator. You like what you said, the way you said, Eric, I know like Eric, Eric. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Doctor Matt. Okay, so relationships are desirable. That's right. They are more than necessary. They're enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beneficial. They they on on par for most of us. They add more to our quality of life than they than they take away. Um, there's a there's a huge study of the human lifespan at Harvard that has studied now the same cohort of people and their offspring for, for over 80 years. And, and a book was, a book was published about it, published about the latest findings. And so there's a, there's a, a a huge 
data set on human experience across a lifespan now that's really interesting it's called i think the book is called the good life if i'm not mistaken but the 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 major finding of the book is that people who are most happy in this life report having good relationships Mm. their relationship adds so much enjoyment and and benefit to the quality of life and so if you again if you think about little kids and you put them in on a playground uh, on a sunny afternoon, sun, sunny afternoon, even if they don't know each other, they're going to start playing alongside of each other. And then they're going to start interacting and then they're going to start talking and then they're going to start playing together. There's a, there's a desirability to be with other people and to be, to be, to be close to people, to be seen by people, to be known. There's mm-hmm. just a real mm-hmm. desirability in that. That's natural to who we are. Yeah. Um, now, not, it, that's not everybody's experience. That's just most people's experience. So you hear people, you know, you hear kind of like, oh, I'm an introvert. I don't like, I don't like yeah. people. Yeah. Right? But like, is that even true? Really? Like are there really introverts who like, just don't ever want to interact with anybody generally, no. generally speaking, or it's, it's real specific no. people that they find that desirability to, to spend time with. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be a pretty natural predilection for kids that they want to spend time with other people and Mm -hmm. other kids. Um, And that when people don't want to do that, that's pretty unique. And usually it's only for a short amount of time. Like people withdraw from Mm -hmm. a relationship to spend time with themselves or by themselves. That's fine. You know, there's a history of of people living kind of as hermits or cloistered in a way where they're kind of stepping back from society. Um, But, most people want to be in relationship and those that don't are often have some kind of history of being hurt by relationships. Mm, and so mm-hmm. it, it is, it is typical that relationships are desirable for most people. Like, you know, if you look at teenagers and you, and you watch teenagers interact at school or, or, you know, wherever they hang out, they are wanting to catch each other's attention. Yeah. There's a natural, there's a natural desire to couple even. Yeah which is interesting. If you, I know, I've, I know you, if you show up at a place at a meeting or at an event and, and you don't even know anybody there, I know you, you're going to strike up a conversation with somebody. I stopped just Maybe. earlier and got a hot plate of food at this little, you know, little place. And, and people were sitting on picnic tables outside. Mm-hmm. There was only a few people, I guess, that knew each other there, but everybody was kind of interacting. There's a natural inclination to like be in relationship in some way, even if it's as superficial as while we yeah. wait for our food. Yeah. This is a desire to be in some form of community. Yeah. Whether it's with multiple people or, or another person. Right. Um, you know, I often have a conversation with people about, about spending. Um, and one of the things I love telling people is if you're going to spend money on something, I'd rather you spend it on an experience with somebody else than on on some consumable item that that goes away after you 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 consume it. Because yeah. those experiences with other people, you kind of relive that desirability of of relationships over and over and over again. Yeah. Um that's good. So relationships are necessary and they're desirable. You ready for number three? Yeah, man. All right. Relationships are refining. Mm. <laughs> they are crucibles for growth. 
<laughs> so they're refining every every married person is like uh, i've been yeah uh-huh. uh, we're just still trying to refine <laughs> yeah. i love you babe if, i love if you she would just get refined and be fine everything would be fine uh yeah i mean no i was there... th- you no, Matt, i was thinking that that the relationship with my wife has refined me. I <laughs> have become more refined. Good job. Good job. That's right. You should. You should. You should not stay the same in relationship. Relationship should be a growth oven, a growth mechanism in your life. It should be a it should be like baking you into a better version of you. It mm. should it should reveal things that need to to soften or change or 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 let or shave off. Um, so would you say those with narcissistic personality disorder are are incapable of being refined by relationships? No, no, I wouldn't say that, but I, and yeah. And I don't even want to talk about that because that's, that's such a hot topic right now. I want to stay away from that for the most part, but I want to say the bet in the, in the, in the best case scenario of what, Mm -hmm. what should have happened along the way for all of us is that we're in the kind of relationships that allow us to grow that that allow us to be better versions of ourselves. I mean, I think that there is a natural inclination to be, for instance, selfish as we, we see this with children. We see this with little kids is that they often are, are focused on their own need. And over time you start to develop the capacity to take in consideration other people's needs. So, so sometimes would you at say, the expense of your own. Yeah. So, would you say this process of refining is directly correlated with this idea of becoming less self-interested? Like, as I become more refined, I become more interested mm-hmm. in the needs of others. Is that based off of your last statement? That's what it kind of sounded like. I th- it, well, there are times to be self-interested. There are mm-hmm. times to really focus on your own needs, and so I think the refining process, in part helps you helps you um modulate that where you can focus on others needs when you're at your best and focus on your own needs when you're needing a little bit more care and and it's a back and forth but the big the big headline here is that relationships should change you yeah i often say that um two experiences in my life, probably the most refining experiences that are directly tied relation directly tied to relationship. Number one was getting married, because yeah, yes. there was this there was this idea that oh my gosh, my time is no longer my time. My time, my resources are shared yeah. with somebody else, and I have to consider them. And even more so was having children that you realize oh my gosh, right? Like everything I my my, my almost not my every breathing moment, but but so much of my life is committed to the care of these people. Yeah. Um, so that's even in French, even in friendship though, it's like, okay, to be a better friend, I need to grow in this way. Or I, uh, I realized that I let Eric down in some way, or I've disappointed Eric in some way. And I, I need to be better. I need to, I need to work on that. You know? So it's not, yes, the spousal relationship, I think is probably the the most potent change agent in the human experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, having kids is tremendously has a tremendous impact on who you are as a person. Um, but I don't I don't want to underestimate the 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 import of friendship and yeah. its value in our life. 
Yeah, no, at the hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So in this, um, in this, ref- like relationships are refining. How important is it? And do you recommend people that you talk to, like to just to stop and reflect or consider their relationships, the most important relationships and how have, how have you been refined? How are you refining? Yeah. I mean, in, in the formal form of couples therapy, I think that there's a lot of reflecting on how this has affected you or changed you and how you were bringing positive change to the other person's life. Um, I think there is a lot of that, but um, often couples therapy is more focused on a particular problem or set of problems. Um, but there, there are definitely moments in, in counseling, both the formal version and the less formal version where we sit back and just think about our life oh, yeah. and relationships. Not, not so much, not so much in, not so much in the formal relationship of counselor client, yeah. just in general, as people, as we go through life, mm-hmm. um, how important is it us? Is it for us to stop and consider and reflect on those relationships? It's super important, super important. And, and what I'm saying here today is that's part of relationship literacy is that you do reflect on, um, how relationships are, are growing and changing you. And, you know, it, and this is just me off the cuff here. So mm-hmm. you, you could, you can edit this or disagree with this, but people who are in spiritual communities often do that. They, they take retreats and they, they calm down and they meditate and they center down and they reflect on, but they often reflect on their relationship with their God or some, you know, some sort of spiritual being. I wonder how many of those same people are reflecting on their relationships with other people. Hmm. Why would I edit that out? Uh, I don't know. know. Maybe I, maybe I, it sounded, I don't know. Maybe it sounded stronger in my mind than it came out. No, I think it's really important for people to faith, right? So, so much of our, our, our faith kind of informs us on healthy relationships or in behaviors that could lead to healthier behaviors. So, I mean, there's a lot of messed up human relationships in spiritual communities. hundred percent. And so yeah. I'm not always sure that, that we're doing that people in faith communities are doing all yeah. that they need to do in reflecting on just their human relationships. Yeah. And, okay. and maybe people in less formal community, less formal religious communities, uh, maybe, maybe they do reflect more on their relationships. I'm not sure, but, uh, certainly people in faith traditions can do more of that. Cool. Okay. So they're necessary. They're desirable. It's desirable. They're refining. What's number four? Relationships are hard. Hard. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. They are hard. hard. They're wonderful and hard sometimes wonderfully hard and sometimes hardly wonderful and sometimes uh wonderful that's and cute. hard that's yeah. cute did you Thanks. did you just come up with that off, wonderfully off. hard or it's, hardly wonderful that's right that's right <laughs> they're messy they are messy um you know even in the like i just i'm going to use shorthand here and just call it relationship science even in the relationship science there's an understanding that the the two person relationship, what we call a dyad, dyads in, include tension and are and are inherently unstable in some way, and kind of uh, create a vibration that is like uh, just baseline conflict almost. That two people 
we'll disagree. We'll battle up against each other. Mm, And so there's a, there's an inherent challenge or hardness in relationships. That's just part of it. So in my, in, in this relationship literacy course, I guess. Yeah. 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 I'd, people need to know it's hard. It's not always easy. It's it, and that's okay. That's all right. I, yeah, I almost feel like that statement. Relationships are hard. God, there's so much here that I want to that I want to bring up. But uh, like just that it's at its foundation by just saying, "Hey, look, relationships are hard. There's no magic bullet." It almost kind of like normalizes when yeah. things are hard. Like just because a relationship right. is hard doesn't mean right the relationship is not worth having. Right. Ex- definitely. I mean, it's hard. It's inherently hard. So any relationship worth worth having is going to be hard at times. And I can't tell you the number of of couples that I've worked with, particularly people new in their relationship, that kind of have this belief, this de- real delusion in a way of like relationships. It shouldn't be this hard. It should be easier. Yeah. Yeah. Or if we're fighting already, it can't be good, right? It's kind of it's doomed. No. The difficulty, the messiness is baked into the relationship. It's it's just there. Yeah, and I, w- I want to pause here on this on this topic on this point, and just I want to emphasize something here real quick. And I think I think that you would agree with me. And if you don't, Matt, you can Let's edit it see. out. Go ahead. You can edit it out if you don't agree with me. I, I, so often we when we talk about relationships, we default to marriage relationships. Yeah, right. We, we've we've talked about this already. Um, you're a couples counselor, so most of what you're dealing with are, are marriage relationships or or pre-marriage relationships or something along those mm-hmm. lines. But like, I, th- I think that, um, and again, we've talked about this, but I just want to say that if you're not in a marriage relationship, I think these these things would apply. Like, I think you should be in hard relationships if you're not married, hard friendships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that this refining thing, I think it's a good thing to be refined. It's a good thing to come up against conflict sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that we shouldn't run too easy. Um, even even in friendships, we should seek out friendships with 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 people and communities that we commit ourselves to. That when it gets hard, we don't bail; we lean in. That's right. Yeah, I just I wanted agree. to bring that point up that you that know, it's not just about the marriage relationship here. For humans and our our way of living in families, uh, the often the first hard relationship is the sibling relationship. So that is a. For for any of us that have siblings, that's a that's often the first place that we have the first relationship that's challenging, that's difficult. And sibling, sibling, you know, you know, right? <laughs> I remember getting into a fist fight. One never just never happened. Exactly. I remember getting into a fist fight with my brother. And it was the stupidest thing ever because he was just bigger than me. Like what? What the hell was I thinking? Anyway, yeah. Sorry, his yeah, fist no. was hard. His <laughs> fist was hard. Yeah, sibling is such an interesting relationship because it it's probably for many, many people, it's the longest relationship of their life. It's the it's it's the interesting. Yeah. It, it's one of the very first relationships. It's the first peer relationship. And it often out outlasts the parent-child relationship. Um, you know, it, it predates the spousal relationship by a number of years. So the sibling relationship is just really an interesting aspect of life across the lifespan. Yeah. Interesting. Never thought about that. So they're hard. Relationships are hard. People know it's going to be hard. Doesn't mean it's bad. That, that also means that also means that's right. It can, relationships can be hard in a way that are, that is, that is bad and that people need to be able to recacognize the difference between hard. That's normal, hard. That's good. 
hard that's refining and hard that's that's uh, toxic or traumatizing or or just bad. Relationships do include injury. Good relationships also include injury and therefore need to include repair. Good relationships. Okay. Good relationships include injury. So a good relationship could mean like I get hurt. Yep. Yeah. Like I say something. My heart gets broken. I get let down. I'm being cavalier and callous and Mm self-centered and and selfish. And I say something or do something that just is hurtful to you. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. You know, as you say that, I'm thinking about a particular instance. I was, I was, um, a friend was coming to me complaining about a particular relationship with one of their friends, Mm -hmm. another friend, and just kind of like, this is, is it not even worth it? This is, this is this. And I said, you know what? Y'all have been friends a long time and you just need to calm down, cool off, and then just give it a day. And then like pick up the phone and be like, Hey, we've been friends a long time and this (laughs) isn't going to get between us. And now you you get through it. And like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a faithfulness there that lasts injury. But I like that injury and repair. So it's hard. So if you think about little kids, like kindergarten kids, you will see them like do something that hurts the other one's feelings and kids are good about recognizing, oh, that I, I hurt them. And then they go and try to repair it. They go and try to mm-hmm. reconcile or initiate some sort of apology or something to, to smooth it over. And so that's a typical part of relationships yeah. are injury and repair. And the repair has to be sufficient for the injury. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay. important. Yeah. Okay. And so now extrapolate this or, 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 take this into the future of other kinds of relationships of the, the parent child relationship or the spousal relationship. There's going to be a lot of injuries over time. Uh, you know, particularly in the spousal relationship, that's why uh, couples therapy is, is, is uh, good, good business, I guess. Um, but that means that people have to get better at, at avoiding injury and better at repair. And, mm, you know, in, mm-hmm. in no way, Eric, do you need to be perfect in relationship? You just need to be, better than average most of the time. So, so you want to avoid injury, knowing that relationships are hard. You want to try to avoid things that really hurt the relationship. And then you want to, you do the, the real work of repair when you do. So, okay. We probably don't have much time to get into this, but I just want to ask this question really quick. It just, what happens? You're, you're in hard relationships and I'm willing to try to repair but the other party is not willing to repair. How do you handle that? Is that kind of where couples counseling or family therapy comes into play where you reach out to a professional to, to, but then one party might be willing and the other party might not be willing. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of that, all of that is possible. Couples therapy and family therapy have only been around for like 150 years at most. Hard relationships have been around forever. Yeah. Humans. Yes. Predated. And so people, People have had to figure out how to, oh, how do we make this work Yeah, forever? And they've done, <laughs> they've done it. They've done it. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to be, you got to recognize yeah. right. when, when you're part of the difficulty and, and do your part to make it better. So, yeah. So you kind of normalize, like if you're in a hard relationship, hard friendship, that's not abnormal. All right. That, so that's now, four. That's oh, not, go, I'm, go I'm not go quite saying if you're in a hard friendship or hard relationship. I'm just saying relationships are hard. You don't have to make it hard. You don't have to make it harder than necessary. It's already challenging. You and I get along pretty well, but we're also careful not to just hurt each other. Yeah. 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 
And if, if you did, we repair it. That's a good idea, right? Don't make it worse. Don't make it yeah. harder than it needs to be. Yeah. So, um, okay. That's kind of the part of the refining. Relationships refine us. Yeah. Like we've been refined. Maybe earlier in our friendship, we probably hurt each other more often. Yeah. We've been refined. We're, we were refined. We're like a fine wine or like a- Better. We're like, kind. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Number five. <laughs> All right. Number five, relationships uh, have- Relationships develop. They have their own developmental course. They follow a path, a path of development. Okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tease yeah. that out for me. Okay. And again, this is a little bit more like relationship science, but it's self-evident. You'll you'll know what I mean. So you think about child development, that your baby mm-hmm. when they're born is different a year later and different a few years later and different 20 years later and different 30. You know, there's across human development, you see different stages and things are different. I mean, there are, there are aspects that are predictable at different stages. Same things with relationships that relationships have stages and those stages have predictable characteristics. So just take, for instance, the spousal relationship. Uh, When people start dating, they get really infatuated with one another they often get really, really close. I mean, they spend all their time together. They can't stop thinking about each other. They talk on the phone. They used to talk on the phone all night. Now they Snapchat or whatever they do. Um, (laughs) They, they almost get like in a, in a clinical word enmeshed where they're just Mm -hmm. like almost too close. That's typical. That is not abnormal at all. And even today, it's like, I see online people using the term love bomb, love they're, they're love bombing me. Yeah, this is like they're they're smothering me with love. That is not unusual for new love romantic relation, new romantic relationships. At least mm-hmm. there's a kind of infatuation that happens. That's predictable. It's typical. But then if you and, and and that that couple will almost exclude people. They'll like distance themselves from their friend groups. That's typical. But then if you check in on them a year later you might see that some of that time that they spent together is, is calmed down. They're not spending quite as much time together. They're not having to fall asleep on the phone together every night. Mm-hmm. You know, they're spending more time with their friends on a, on. That was hard when you had, that was hard when we had corded phones, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Wake up with it around your neck or something. No, yeah. So that, that's, okay, I, I, that's typical. I, I see what you're saying. So like, like in the marriage relationship, yeah. there's, there's times where, my wife and I, we just want to be in the same room and just present. We don't have to, we don't have to use words. We just, we just like the fact that I'm there, she's there. And you kind of, you feel this, this sense of comfort. Right. Right. And that That's comes of- with the stage of development that you all are in. And even in marriages or, or, you know, relationships, we talk about like, oh, they've been married a couple of years or they've been married seven years, you know, the, the seven year it. So even like, even like popularly or co- colloquially, there's some idea that relationships chart a course the honeymoon time. stage oh they're the honeymoon, honeymoon stage, stage yeah. right okay. the empty nest stage gotcha okay so what that i mean sense. by this from from a, a a relationship literacy perspective is just this idea that our relationship today may not remain the same it may grow or change or um be different at some should it yes. should it grow and change definitely it should grow okay. and change but it'll also be different over time Gotcha. So if it's one thing this year 
it might be something else a few years down the road. Okay. This is very important by the way, with parents and kids, because you Mm. know, when your kid is really little, you are infatuated with them. Oftentimes you're you're even, even maybe not even volitionally, you just have to be there all the time, watching them, caring for them. But then when they become school aged, it's a different relationship. And when they become teenagers, different relationship and young adults, different relationship. And if, if you don't allow it to change, if you try to remain the same, you get stuck. And that's actually where problems develop. If you allow yourself to be different at different stages, it actually flows pretty well. It's problems often develop when we, when we stay the same. Interesting. You know, when you said it's the, this idea of developing relationships is important in the parent child relationship. My thought immediately went to not me and my kids, but me and my parents Yeah, and and how that dynamic changes as you know, you're, you look up, you still look up to your parents, but, but you kind of look up to them as there's a safety and a security in them. And then it gets, it shifts to where it's like, well, they're looking to me now. There's a certain element where they're looking to me in the relationship. To, yeah, there's be been, a- yeah, there's been a lot written about in again in like relationship literature about the sandwich generation. When you're yeah. when you're the parent of adult kids and your parents are looking to you for guidance, you're yeah. you're sandwiched in there. Yeah. You're like the roast beef of the family po' boy. Roast beef. I prefer fried shrimp. All right. All right. Are we ready to go to number six? Is it, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Relationships function according to s- repeated repetitive cycles and patterns. Okay. That sounds a lot like they develop to me. Okay. So developmental, let's talk about developmental, like across time. Mm-hmm. So across years, this thing that I'm talking about now is Uh, relationships functioning according to repeated processes and patterns is more like uh, week to week interactions, the ways in which we get close to one another. And then the ways in which we get separate or further away from one another, the ebb and flow of the closeness of the relationship, like the tides, you know, where like in a normal week for many, many Americans, uh, they spend more time together on the weekend. Okay. And then during the work week, everybody in the household gets busier earlier in the week and they spend less time together. And there's kind of an ebbing and flowing. And then also conflict patterns, the ways in which we fight, even the topics that we argue about often are repeated and recycled and, and maybe not even solved. Maybe that's why we keep bringing them back up is because they're, they're intractable. They're unsolvable on some, in some way, but the ways in which couples fight is becomes predictable. If, if you could, you know, if I could put a camera in your home and watch you and your family members argue, there's prop, you know, after a year, I would probably have your fight sequence mapped. I could probably describe it to you. He, you said that it reminds me of that progressive commercial where someone in the relationship is like, no, you said you, I think they're one, like you said, you packed the life jacket. I didn't say that. And they throw like the, the red flag yeah. and they do a challenge it and they bring out the, they bring out instant replay. <laughs> I don't know it, but yes, that's, um, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So, so, okay. So relationships, there's these repeated patterns and cycles. Is that, is that one of your tenants to just kind of be aware of? Is that something that, you that's need right. to fix. It's just like, be aware that like, 
you know, during the week I'm working, people get tired. They may be shorter, you know, shorter tempers, but on the weekend, everything is kind of, you know, there's more time. It's a, that's okay. That's a normal thing of relationships. So just be aware of that. Is that kind of what I'm hearing here? Uh, partly be aware of it. Partly, okay. um, you know, there's some, there's some relationship science out there that says that some problems in relationships to use, to use a phrase you like are not, are not solved. They're managed. Mm, they're not. They're not problems to be solved. There's tensions. There's tensions to be managed. There's tensions to be managed. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you talk a lot about money, for instance. There are a lot of mm -hmm. couples out there that money is going to be a hard topic for them. And maybe it's yeah. not week to week, but maybe it's more month to month or quarter to quarter. This is going to crop up as a, as a source of conflict in their relationship. And if they learn how they handle that, and particularly how they handle it poorly, we can work on that. And then if they learn like the normal process of it, they recognize it's probably not a deal breaker. It's probably going to make us distant for, for, you know, 12 hours or 24 hours, or 48 hours. And then we have this resolution where we come mm -hmm. back together. One of us apologizes with a cute little, you know, emoji filled text or something. And, and, and it's Saturday again, and we're back, we're back yeah. to going out to dinner again. And that's the yeah. flow of the, that's the flow of the problem in our relationship. So gotcha. Okay. I think in, from a, from a relationship literacy standpoint, recognizing that it happens. Um, let me just add one more little piece to this. Yeah. Your part in the cycle is often reflective of the family you grew up in. Say your, that again. <laughs> your part, your part in the current cycle with your current, in your current relationship with whomever okay. that is is often your part is often often has a shadow back to your family of origin hmm. you will often okay. repeat things that you grew up around all right so that statement communicates something a little bit different to me in terms of this is a tenant just to be aware of right this is a tenant to be aware of mm -hmm. to to possibly uh, i don't know uh, preempt Alter, preempt some works. of the, the the behaviors before they happen well i mean it, it, it's going to show up your family of origin is going to show up in your current relationships well before you're aware of it on some less than conscious level okay. it's going to show up it's going to invade in some way it's going to take over um does your wife ever say matt you're 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 just like your mother <laughs> uh we laugh sometimes. Now, yeah. <laughs> and hold on, let me apologize. Let me apologize to Matt's mom because I know she listens to any podcast that he's on. You are a wonderful woman, and for Matt to be like you, so is, lucky, so is amazing, so lucky. Yeah, I am blessed to be friends with Matt because of your influence in his life. Okay, and my wife and my mother-in-law enjoy each other also, which is lovely. But we can see we can see the fingerprints of our parents on us. Mm -hmm. in our relationship yeah. today. Definitely. That's good. Yeah, that's good. All right. So what's number seven, Matt? All right. guess we're getting a little bit more technical here, but again, okay. you can see these in kid relationships also. Um, number seven, mm -hmm. relationships should feel safe and secure. Relationships okay. should feel safe and secure. Okay. Okay. Um, there's an aspect of relationship. There's a it, part of the desirability of relationship and part of the need to couple 
uh, part of the need to live together is for the safety and security that the relationship should provide. It helps protect us from threats. And uh, that's very important. It also, this aspect of security also allows us to rest and recuperate from difficulties we've experienced out in the world. This is known in kind of relationship science, particularly in the attachment theory literature as the safe haven aspect of relationship. So think about the, the times when, when you felt scared about something, you often turn to find somebody mm-hmm. else, you know? Yeah. One day I was watching a group of little kids and a, a fire alarm went off in the building and these kids who didn't know me that well, immediately like got up from playing with whatever they were playing with and, and moved toward an, an, an adult and wanted to actually get in the lap, you know, let me, let, hold me, pick me up. Um, <laughs> you'll see that I see this. I learn a lot of, of relationship stuff from my own dog. Uh, my dog is a great okay. teacher about relationships. You know, when he's scared, he looks for somebody. He, look, he, he moves toward somebody. Little Security. kids do this all the time is that when, the, when they feel safe, they walk away. When they feel scared, they walk toward. And, and mm. so all of us mimic that. And yeah, you t- you're talking about kids. That was the one thing popped in my mind, this idea of when, when, when they feel safe, they walk away. When they feel scared, they walk towards you. Yeah. It is never more exaggerated than it feels like in teenagehood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that's a, that's a, a brilliant point because teenagers kind of get this bad rap as being, you know, tough, rebellious, tough, tough adults or whatever. I mean, tough yeah. humans to be around. Yeah. But yeah, they are, they are naturally as they should developmentally be walking away mm-hmm. from their families, from the nest, from the family of origin until it feels a little frightening. And then they, then they, they walk back. back really quickly. And, yeah. and in, in some ways are needy. And in that way, we're all needy in the appropriate way of being needy. We are, you know, we are, we are dependent people in a healthy way. There's a healthy dependency. And so relationships should feel safe and secure enough that we turn toward them when we're not feeling our best, when we either need to rest, when we need to take a break, when yeah. we need to recuperate from something, you know, the, the image that I always use when we're talking about this with students is how is the image of a ship sailing on the sea ships are meant to sail. They're meant to be out there on the ocean, but Mm -hmm. they always have to come back. They always have to come back to port and they have to, they have to take a break, restock, get some repairs, uh, you know, that, and, and that, that, that port is the safe haven aspect of relationship that we all need. I mean, there's harbor the harbor. There are yeah. many times when I'm handling something difficult during my day and I can handle it. I can handle it. But part of the reason I can handle it is because I know I got a home to go to. I know I got a, a relationship to go to that. There are people at that house and it's going to be enjoyable to be with them. And Eric, another aspect of this is that when we feel connected and when we feel good in the relationship, we spontaneously touch. We will reach out and touch. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, like on with my pet, the, mm-hmm. 
he'll walk up next to me and he'll get close and he'll look at me and he'll want me to pet him on the back. You know? Okay, I didn't know where you were going with this touching thing because yeah. earlier you said you're always you're always about to talk about sex. So I always didn't know where verge. you were going. So sex is a kind of touch that is normal in relationships, in a certain relationship, in a particular relationship. But um, all the other kinds of normal, mm-hmm. healthy, happy touch are also included in this in this statement that when we feel good and, and secure in a relationship, we spontaneously want to touch. So you and I, let's say we meet out somewhere we'll normally greet each other with some kind of touch we'll pat each other on the back maybe give I, each I other never never pat on the back shake hands give each Usually other like a hug, a hug or, or a something like that or, yeah, yeah, so yeah. on a friendship level most of the yeah. friendship touch either starts at the hand or the shoulder if you yeah. if you watch people um, little kids will touch each other on the back or the hand or the the shoulder with you know on the playground that kind of stuff yeah. um Touch, touch is typical. It's typical. And then as that progresses, let's say that you and I, when we met, wherever we met out, we had a really great conversation. And, and now we feel even more connected. I feel like you got me in that conversation or you supported me or something. We probably will want to hug when we leave. That's a normal aspect mm-hmm. of relationship. I was at the gym this morning and it was a hard workout. And, and you know what people do as a class, you know what people do at the end of a hard workout? They congratulate each other and they will often like clap hands, like, Hey, good job. It touches just a very normal aspect of relationship when you feel good and safe. And it happens more in secure relationships. Yes, definitely. Here's a question for our listeners, kind of a little thought, a little thought experiment or thought exercises. Who are, who are like, who are the five people? Let's just say five because it's on one hand, like the five people who you turn to when you need security. As, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about who do I turn to when I have a hard mm-hmm. day? Who, who, who's, who do I find? What relationships do I find security in? And as I was kind of playing that that question out of my mind, I was thinking, I remember a time, I don't know if you remember this, um, Matt's office used to be near my office. So it was, it was a little easier for us to to connect during the day. And there was a, um, a restaurant that has got a bunch of TVs near our office and they would play uh, English soccer games, which were always, particularly the Champions League games. And we would get together and watch those. And I remember I called you one day. There was a game going on. And I had gotten into a fight. I had gotten into a fight with my wife. And I called you. I'm like, dude, can you meet me? Let's just go drink a beer. Like I was turning to you because you were a secure relationship. Because another relationship was hard. Yeah. And I knew there was security in you. Right. And I could find some, 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 some wise counsel in that moment. Yeah. And it's that aspect of relationship, being able to turn toward one another for support that allows us to deal with very difficult moments and seasons in our life. I mean, stuff is coming. We don't know when, we don't know what it is, but there's crisis coming. I heard somebody use the phrase today, uh, deathly situations, (laughs) deathy. There are deathy situations coming. Not quite death, but like death. Right. I mean, I was a, I was a counselor and I did my doctoral work at Virginia tech and I was a counselor at Virginia tech mm-hmm. during the Virginia tech school shooting when 32 people were killed, 33, including the shooter. And I mean, that was a horrible, horrible morning on that campus in that town. 
And by midday, by evening, people were gathering in dro- in, by the thousands. And they just wanted to be near each other. And it, that is a truism of life is that relationships help us deal with very difficult things. And there's a feeling of, there's often a feeling of, I can't do this. I can't get through this. This is going to break me. And then somebody comes alongside you and offers you their hand and you have a hand to hold now. And you just feel like it's, it's, a, it's encouraging. Like I can do this. I borrowed a little bit of your courage somehow, mm, and yeah. I can do this now kind of goes back to the, your first tenet of relationships are necessary. Right. Because life's hard. Yeah. And and we need we need community. Yep. To help us get through it. And and not only to deal not only to deal with the crap, but also to share joys. I mean, this is another yeah. thing. It's like people talk about I have all of this stuff, but I don't have anybody to share it with. Yeah. And that that we we you we need relationships. We need that that safe haven of relationship. So yeah. that we have people to share our accomplishments with. Yeah. Yeah. When something good happens to you, like, like, oh my God, I got a call. I got a call. I got to call Matt and tell him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. Um, and, and so you and like you and I are friends, but we both have spouses. We both have parents. We both have kids. We both have siblings. Mm-hmm. All of those relationships make up the tapestry of our safe haven experience. Yeah. We need all of those different kinds of relationships. Yeah. So consider, consider listeners like who, who do you turn to for security? That, that, that's an interesting question. I'm going to reflect on that a little bit more because uh, that also might give you insight into maybe some, which relationships you think you might need to fix Yeah, because certain people that you think you should have security in there, there's not security in there. So reflect on that and, and, and maybe you need a little bit of refining or a little refinement needs to happen. All right. So that's seven relationships feel secure. You know, let me say something on that. Uh, this is interesting. I'm, I want to switch gears here towards towards money um we turn to people for security this is this is the value of financial planning not 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 having a financial advisor or someone who invests money but like someone who knows your situation someone who knows your behaviors your tendencies with money the, how you make decisions mm. that you can turn to i had this conversation with a friend and client of mine he calls me up he's like i just need to sit with you for a couple of hours, he's a business owner, and I just need to bounce ideas off of you because I'm I'm, I'm trying to get mm-hmm. to the next step. So there's a security in that relationship. Uh, me as someone who understands his finances, understands finances, understands his values, understands how he thinks, mm-hmm. provided him security to say, "Man, I really need help making some big money decisions, not investment decisions, but just decisions that will impact." my financial future and impact my financial reality today. So um, anyway. Yeah. Trust, trusted advisors become part of that, that uh, security la- landscape of yeah. relationships. Yeah. So All just right. as number seven was relationships should feel safe and secure so that we mm-hmm. can turn toward them. Number eight relationships should also feel adventurous and exciting and inspiring relationships should inspire us hmm. to go out and and accomplish so God, in- the, the, these last few tenants like my mind when you share them my mind goes to who do i feel secure with who's inspiring to me and who am i inspiring to mm-hmm. who am i and and 
Who am I in adventure with? In an adventure with? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Talk, talk, talk more about this idea of inspiration. Like they should inspire us to follow our dreams, do do big things. Like what? What should I be inspired by? What? Well, okay. So let me go. Let's go back to like early man. All right. So relationships are necessary for survival. Yeah, we 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 live together because a it took a it it took us to create each other, but uh then we live together to stay safe from threats from the outside. But eventually I've got to leave this little pack of people and I've got to go out and kill some food or something. So it's mm-hmm. in, I'm inspired by our need a to go out and accomplish something. But but on a much more like contemporary level, my own life, your own life, we're inspired to provide for our families. Mm-hmm. We're in that's kind of basic when you have a kid. You're like, oh crap, how am I going to feed this and house this kid and all so, of that stuff? So maybe I was misunderstanding inspiration. I was thinking you're, it sounds like you're talking more about motivation. I'm motivated to have to go. That so that's the I would say that's the more the base level of this this concept okay. of inspiration okay. later on though, once you kind of get the basic needs met, you're inspired to go do things that are meaningful to you and are valuable to you, your family and the community. Uh, and then often you are in relationship with people that serve as kind of a muse for you. You're like, dang man, that dude is doing something really cool. Mm-hmm. I want to join that. I, I'm inspired by that. I'm seeing what they're doing. And so again, like kind of using the metaphor of the ship out on the sea, the ship has been at port now, has been in the harbor for for a, a week or so. They they start getting that that itch to get out there and go explore again. Mm-hmm. And there's an aspect of that with relationships that happens with with each of us. Uh, maybe not on a day to day basis, but seasonally, different periods of in our, in our life, we're like, I want to do something different. I want to mm-hmm. do something new. I want a new house. I want to paint the wall, whatever it is, but it may be, I want to change jobs. I want a new career for our kids. Hopefully, eventually it's, I want to go out and build my own life. I want to go out and provide for myself. I'm inspired to get out. And so the ship leaves the Harbor and it goes and sails and, and it can do that because of the confidence of the Harbor. So it's in, in relationship it's interacting with other people that I'm in relationship with that I might find security in yes. that I also feel inspired to go do big things. And those are, to, yeah. Do, and those are related things that out of the security comes a, a, a confidence that I can go and I yes. can go accomplish and then I can return and celebrate. I like that. I like that. You know, uh, my original tagline for the planning business was plan wisely, mm-hmm. live confidently, right? Yeah. Cause it's in, it's in planning wisely. We, we find security so that we can be confident in how we live. Go sail. Right. Yeah. I, I was like that. this uh, winter, I guess that was last month or month and a half ago. Now I was snowboarding with uh, some family members mm-hmm. and um, one afternoon I was with my son and my nephew who are both about the same age, early, you know, late teens, early adults. And, uh, they're like, come on, come, come do this run with us. That's, that's harder than my comfort level. It had snowed a foot. There's deep powder everywhere. 
we're on this little knife edge ridge at the top of this mountain. And I mean, it is steep <laughs> and trees everywhere. And my nephew goes, come on, Uncle Matt, you can do it. You can, no, man, you can do it. I, you can do it. He, he, before I even got up there, he was like, no, nah, you can do this. This is not, this is not that hard for you. You can do this. And he's like, it's deep. So don't worry. The, the snow will slow you down. You, you, it's, once you get your groove, you'll just, you'll flow down through there and flow. You can do it. Just flow. Okay. And he's like, just, you know, if you, and if you, if you don't, if you just get stuck, just slide down a little bit. It's okay. And stand back up. You'll be fine. And it was in that encouragement and in kind of the, the words he used provided enough security for me that I felt like, all right, I trust him. I can do this. I can do this. And so, you know, I followed him. It, I wasn't as pretty as they were, but I, I was able to do it. And I wouldn't have done it on my own. Yeah. Were it not for the inspiration and encouragement of a relationship. I'm laughing because I'm wondering how many of those moments lead to like <laughs> hospital broken visits. arms, yeah. hospital, hospital visits. So that happens. That happens. Yeah. Ships yeah. sail okay. and, and break, break okay. a rudder or something. And they yeah. return to, they return to Harbor and get mended and it's okay. Yeah. Okay. And you know what, when we get home from those little trips, we, we gather together in a room, we want to be together yeah. and we tell story. We reminisce of what we just did. And that yeah. is so those experiences, right? So those experiences that you can relive over and over and yep. over again, you know, this idea of finding inspiration relationships, you know, I'm in several, um, or a couple different mastermind groups, you mm -hmm. know, two different mastermind groups for, for two different in two different industries. And man, the amount of inspiration that. You, you see what others are doing, right? People that you know closely and like, man, how are they doing that? And you pick up the phone and you call them and they share with you like, Hey, you, you can like, just like your nephew. Yeah, you could do this. Yeah. Um, the, the amount of inspiration that you get, like, man, find communities where you share values because you, you could do, you could do so much more than you think you can when you have people who believe in your abilities Yeah. to, to be successful. And friendship is a really important uh, source of this kind of inspiration, mm -hmm. but the spousal, obviously the parent child relationship is also a, an important source. You're often telling your kids, you can do it. You can do it. But the spousal relationship is, is another version of this of, and, and sometimes gets neglected. Honestly, spouses stop telling each other, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Mm. What's next? Yeah. What good. plans do you have? You can do it. I'm right there with you. Let's go. I feel like this entire podcast that you should create a workbook to go along with this podcast. This is my relationship literacy. Yeah. Yeah. 101. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the idea, right? It's like, where do you yeah. learn relationships? Yeah. 101. Yeah. Dr. Matt. Ready for number nine? Relationships. Number nine. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this one is less uh, pithy and is going to be like a full complete sentence, but relationships <laughs> should have a kind of, a kind of integrity to them that okay. allows allows me to be honest allows me to be me and you to be you healthy okay. so that the good kind of relationship and you can you can think about your relationships should allow us to be ourselves i i don't need to veneer myself as much so vulnerability so i'm hearing vulnerable good relationships allow me to be vulnerable vulnerable with integrity like what i do you, can what do you mean by that i can i can what I am thinking and feeling, I can actually say to you. 
I don't okay. have to varnish it in some way. I don't have to. Now, isn't I there, see. Isn't, eh. isn't there maybe some wisdom and not necessarily saying what you definitely, think? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. There is wisdom in you can say it softer. You can say it nicer. That's I'm not. That's not what I'm really talking okay. about. I'm okay. talking about relationships should allow me to not masquerade as something I'm not. As okay. I, I'm not a fraud in our friendship. Okay. I don't want to be a fraud in our friendship. Okay. And if I can't really be me in this relationship, it is not that close of a relationship. So you're not talking about necessarily having a filter, right? I should be able to say whatever I want to say. No, you should have a, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. You should have a filter. You can say it nicer. You can say it softer. You can say it sweeter. All of those things are good relationship tenets. I mean, concepts, but or actually those are relationship skills, I would say, but this, this tenet that I'm talking about is about integrity that I can be me. Okay. And you can be you. And so, but, but, but at the same time, I'm just thinking about some of your earlier tenets that relationships refine, mm -hmm. um, and that we should change. Mm -hmm. So when you say you can be you and I can be me, that almost sounds like a free pass that, um, you know, remember, remember these are separate fingers mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. but they're actually yeah. woven together. So in refining me, I'm, I'm me, I get to be me. And then over time in relationship with you, I, I change. And in fact, if you want someone to change, accept them first, acceptance mm -hmm. really is kind of the fertilizer for change. Oh, if you want, if you want, if you want to if you want to activate someone's defensiveness, try to force them to be different. This is, I've been, I've been, I've been chewing on this uh, phrase that I read recently. It says, um, your truth will not be heard mm. until your grace is felt. Mm -hmm. And I, I could even tweak that to say your truth will not be heard huh, until your grace is felt. Yeah. So you said you your said kindness, your love, your, your acceptance. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's an extension of grace, right? If, if, right. Yeah. Um, to allow you to be who you are, even though like, oh man. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Right. But I'm going to, I'm going to extend grace and, and kindness and, and patience. And because right. friendships can be hard and there's, they're, they're worth it. All of us have stuff to work on. Mm hmm. And it's very hard to work on that stuff if you have to hide it. If you can, if I can come to you and, and express what, I, what I'm really struggling with or really mm -hmm. thinking, then it's easier for us to, to work on it. This is, yeah. So yeah, there, and that, that goes back to the security issue. Like, the, like I find security in a particular relationship to where I feel like I can be more vulnerable because if I say something stupid, then I feel that I'm still going to be accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so, and so then there's, there's the corollary to this integrity that I'm trying to express, which I may not be doing a great job of is the corollary is, is fidelity that I also believe in this commitment between us mm -hmm. that I trust that you're going to be there. Even if I express this hard thing, there's a fidelity. There's a faithfulness to the relationship. Yeah. Hmm. So teenagers are actually pretty good at this. They're, they, 
they try to, for the most part, this is, you know, part of their life where they're, they're stepping into who they really are and testing it out, seeing who stays with them. And they're, and, and then they often are really committed to their friends. It's interesting. Teenagers are often. Yeah. Kind of ride or die. You know, they're, (laughs) they are with them. And so, um, these concepts of, of integrity and fidelity become really important in longstanding relationships. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that undergirds security. I mean, all you can see how these things yeah, yeah. Flow, flow together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about. So this how, is like advanced, I guess this is a one Oh two. Yeah. Lesson. Like a, or like 201. 201. or three Oh one. Cause this is, this is hard stuff. This idea of, you know, commitment in spite of, you know, yeah. When we still need to, to work things out. That's, you know, I think I'm just, I'm thinking about that in the context of marriage, right. I'm going right. on 23 years of marriage. There's this commitment. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. This year. I think, oh gosh, is it 23 or 22? 22, <laughs> 22 this year. I'm sorry. I think I'm like a year behind you or something like that. Um, but there's this idea like, man, we look back and my wife and I were talking about this recently, like, man, we've had some hard, hard times and we're yeah. going to have hard times, but there's a safety in knowing that, you know, we can have a hard time. We can be really, really mad at each other, but there's this commitment that, that exists that kind of where we are in our marriage would take a really, 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 really yeah. big event to like break that commitment. Right. Um, yeah. So there is security in that. Yeah. And o- often families express that like it doesn't matter, you know, where families go through hard things and then they use the, fr- they use phrases like blood is thicker, th- thicker than water. Like we're going to stay together. We're going to figure a way to remain in relationship with each other. The fidelity mm-hmm. that's baked into our relationship is going to hold us together somehow, even when we disagree. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to imagine that's, <laughs> that's probably a big part of your work right there is, yeah. is, is navigating yeah. that. infidelity, right? Yeah. Infidelity, uh, you know, you, in all of its forms, but the, what, mm-hmm. what that broadly means is I, I didn't live up to a commitment. I broke a commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, this was said in light of growing in confidence. Arson Arson Wenger said this, the former coach of Arsenal. He's talking about in confidence, but I think this is the same same to do with trust. And we kind of think of this idea of integrity and trust. He goes, um it's trust is built, it's like taking the escalator, but it's lost by taking the elevator. That it takes a long time mm. to build it, mm-hmm. but you can you can lose it instantly. Yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting. One think about infidelity in marriage, for instance often involves inappropriate emotional connection with somebody or inappropriate sexual or physical connection with somebody else or both, you know, but you know, what seems to be the most damaging part of infidelity is the lie, the cover up, the deceit, which Mm. is the lack of integrity. When a spouse finds out, I thought we were one thing. And I, I thought you were one. I thought you were doing one thing and come to find out you were doing another thing. Hmm. Yeah. We did a whole show on, um, oh gosh, on financial infidelity. That's right. Yeah. And so that is, I, I was under the assumption that our money was being spent one way Mm -hmm. 
come to find out it was being spent another way right under my nose and you were deceiving me the lack of integrity in that is often the most damaging thing so let me go back let me go let me kind of put a a point on on this topic here and let me see we're on on number nine we are number nine let me are i'm gonna kind of wrap it up wrap it up nicely tell me if you agree with this so this idea of trust and integrity and being who you are um that's hard Mm-hmm. sometimes hard mm-hmm. and especially when you know you're the one who's dealing with someone who's who's being who they are and who they are is not necessarily healthy for them or the yeah. or the relationship right um but it goes back to this idea that's sometimes what makes relationships hard and that's why we should be trying to better ourselves so that number 1 we are someone who the person that we're in relationship with could be feel secure in right um that that in a friendship or in a, or in a spousal relationship you know when i'm having a hard time and i need to you, you kind of when you've had that bad day it almost seems like when you had a bad day like who you are is almost like um exaggerated right magnified in some way magnified um so this stuff is hard and that's why commitment is so so important and security is so important mm-hmm. um and trust is man that that's a man that's a hard one it's a hard one mm-hmm. so anyway yeah where All are right we? number 10 Whew. That's class a downer, is getting, man class is getting tough golly okay number is, 10 is number 10 gonna be is this, are we gonna go out are we gonna go out with an easy one or is this gonna be like no <laughs> um, <laughs> no crap no. uh All number right. 10 relationships require us to be attuned attuned to the needs of others. So that is that I've got to get better at reading from Mm -hmm. you what you need in the relationship and then taking the sacrificial step to meet meet those needs. This is self-evident for parents and babies in most cases, Mm -hmm. you know, the parent figures out early on what the kid, what the baby's cry means, food, sleep, hurt, pain, loneliness, something cold, scared. And then the parent, they're attuned to it. They pick it up. They read the cue. It's not the baby's not speaking English at this point. So the, 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 the parent has to read the cue. They have to decipher it. And they're, they're so attuned. They pick it up and they read it correctly. And then they, they take the sacrificial step to meet that need. Now it doesn't, maybe it doesn't feel so sacrificial mm-hmm. at, in the daytime when you're well rested and all of that, but at 2 AM to crawl yourself, claw yourself out of bed and get over to the, the, the kid who's, who needs your attention is mm-hmm. sacrificial. Those are kind of the early sacrifices. And so that that's a normal part of relationship is that I am motivated and interested in figuring out what you need. And then taking a step to meet those needs. And and many, in many cases, that's not much of a sacrifice. I mean, I don't feel like I sacrifice a whole lot for you and for our friendship, but there are certainly times where I'm like, all right, I haven't seen Eric in a while. I need to prioritize some time on my calendar this week to call him or hang out with him or spend time with him, you know? And that means I'm doing, I'm not doing something else during that time. You talk about sacrifice and friendship. 
Hey, uh, Eric, what are you doing Saturday morning? I need help moving. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. That's sacrifice. People I'm there right for there. you, man. Yeah. Matt's like, yeah, I sacrifice because I, you know, it comes to, and I, I wonder drove if, to the I'm West just, Bank. Yeah. No, Eric needs, you know, I wonder how Eric's doing. Let me call him. That's not sacrifice, dude. Me driving my truck to help you move. That's, that's sacrifice. Right. That's right. Come on. You need to learn. Right. You need a lesson in sacrifice. So, so there's two parts here. Number one, and I'll go back to what I said earlier about this idea that uh, of being two, self-interested. Two parts in number 10. We're on number two parts in number 10. The first one is, yeah. go ahead. Be attuned, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this, there's this element of like, man, I have to consider what this other person that I'm in relationship with needs. I'm not going to wait for them to tell me because they might not be able to tell me. I got to, I got to know what they need. Number one, I have turned, I've taken the active step of turning my radar on to their needs and wants. And number two, I have to be willing to meet that need. Yep. That's the sacrificial part. Yeah. I mean, just as a side note, there's a real cruelty in recognizing a need and not meeting it. Ooh, that's that. There's a, and we all do that. We all we have all done that at many many times. But there's a cruelty in going. Ooh, I know the so, baby needs a bottle, and I'm just going to keep sitting here. <laughs> they've only peed once. That diaper can hold more. It's fine. Right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so it's number one. It's 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 being interested Ra- in the needs of others interested yeah. to turn on the radar for other people's needs yep so i'm elevating your needs sometimes yeah. above my own need that's what sacrifice is right yep. i am yep. i am giving something of myself mm-hmm. to it, meet a need that you have it costs me something and, and maybe it's just something. time maybe it's just uh uh opportunity cost in a way i couldn't spend that time on something else now i've been in relationships with people yeah you have who <laughs> i have and maybe maybe this isn't sacrificial. There are those people who will do things for me because they feel they're getting a a, a benefit from it. Yeah, they would not do that thing if they didn't feel that they were getting a benefit from it. Quid pro quo would say this for that. Yeah, like I will go. You, I will go with you hundred. Yeah, I'm there for you hundred percent because yeah, because you're getting something out of it. But the second you don't get something out of it, you're not there. Yeah. So I guess that element of sacrifice isn't there. Yeah. And I mean, this can get pretty philosophical. I think there there are people that would argue that none of it's really a sacrifice, that all of it is kind of storing up favor for some future need that you'll have, hoping it gets paid back to you. You know, like we take care of our kids. That feels very sacrificial. Mm-hmm. But I, for most of us who have kids, I think there is a hope when, you know, maybe a hope that maybe they'll take care of us one day. So uh, yes, but to to your larger point, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's putting it 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 it's honestly doing this thing for the other person and not holding that over their head later that I did mm-hmm. you owe me now you owe me you're in debt it's not that yeah I'm maybe not, I'm maybe not. there's a hope that you know if I needed you you would help me move too or. <laughs> You always do, but um, if you needed to move, I'd help you. Maybe you hope that one day, but you're not holding it over my head. That's yeah, different. there's a um, one. One of my favorite proverbs says that uh, 
people who refresh others are refreshed themselves. So there mm-hmm. is this idea that if you are looking to the needs of others, yeah, um, your needs are going to get met. Maybe not by the same person. Um, yeah. It, in there's a principle that um, uh, in leadership they call it the 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 principle of reciprocity. Right. There's like there's like this social contract that exists amongst humans that uh, I'm going to help you. Yeah. And, and and with the hopes that I'm going to be helped when I need help, but I'm not helping you because, because I, I might not know my need right now. Right. But there's this idea that I'm yeah. going to help you and, and, and someone else might help me along the way. Yeah. You and I are friends. We've never talked about this directly that I'm aware of, but I try to be attuned to your needs. I, and I totally believe that you try to be attuned to my needs and that, if you needed something and I picked up on that, I would try to meet that if I could. And if I needed something and you were aware of that, you would try to meet my needs. And in that way, we're both getting what we need through mm-hmm. the relationship. I'm not having to, to, to craft it all myself. I get it through the relationship. And let me just start to wrap up here, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Can I say one thing on sacrifice real quick? Yeah. So I, I think there's, um, this is so evident. In, in one particular relationship, the the mother child relationship, we think about sacrifice, like literally, like literally the mother literally gives of herself. Like yeah. when she carries a baby, like her nutrients, like ever, yeah. like she literally bears this, this, this other human. Um, and there seems to be, I mean, you, you probably see this in, in, in your practice and your professional work. There seems to be this relationship that sometimes this is nothing against fatherhood. Cause I know you and I are both very active parents yeah but there seems to be something distinct mm-hmm. about how mothers sacrifice for children yeah that is very different yeah than it's, how, it's, how fathers it's, it's physical but it's also metaphysical and it's spiritual and it's it is it, it, yeah i guess i just want to sh- i want to send a shout out to, to all the moms and honor right. their sacrifice right yeah, I, mean, I also feel like I need to. I also feel like I need to to continue to offer peace offerings to your mom for, for making the <laughs> statement that you know you're. you're like I wouldn't your mom. be here talking with you if it weren't for my mom. So all right, so okay, sorry. Wrap us up, man. So in this in this idea that that we were just talking about that I'm getting my needs met in relationship and and in this case our friendship, you're getting your needs in part met in our relationship, and that that's happening throughout the web of relationships that represent us. There's a lot of safety in that. There's a lot of security in that, but there's also a ton of excitement in that. There's a ton of benefit that comes with that. There is a a lifelong enjoyment that comes with that. Um, that, That it is in my relationships that I find my identity, and I, I find kind of the arc, the story of my life. You were hmm. you were with people at your conception, Eric. I, I don't know. You probably don't want to think about that. I, don't, I really were, don't want to think about you that. You were with Matt. people at your conception. <laughs> you were with people at your birth. You'll be with people throughout your life. And hopefully at your death, you will be with people. Relate- if you follow. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. If you follow, I was going to say, if you follow Matt's 10 tenants, you will be people. You will be with people at the end of your life. If you don't follow his 10 tenants, you might be alone. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, none of us can control everything or predict the future and, and who knows how one person or my story is going to unfold, but mm-hmm. 
relationships are part of the human uh the human experience. story yeah certainly part of the human experience relationships are all around us as i always say eric you've heard me say this a million times relationships are the guts of life and they they are the guts of a life well lived dude matt dr matt morris just took us to school thanks for your time man Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with the Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.